There seems to be some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. We're Roxanne and Ace. Welcome to Unlimited. Glad to be back and hopefully you had an amazing week. Thanks to our friends at My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group. How was your Mother's Day? It was really lovely. Hannah took me to a delightful brunch. We enjoyed it a great deal. How are all the mothers in your life? All the women seem to be doing well. And, you know, any anytime I get moments with my mom, like it's just like she and I catch up and reminisce and talk about music and when I was a little boy, you know. And so <laughs> all those stories are fun because, you know, it's it's mom, right? You know, it's what it's supposed to be about. Speaking of you as a little boy, nobody cuter. That picture of you that oh. you post. <laughs> with mom in the beehive. Oh. I love that photo. Adorable. Well, there is massive breaking news that me and the girlfriends are all buzzing about. Da 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 da. Uh huh. Martha Stewart on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine. She's 81 years old. And normally, I don't really want to talk about or think about the Sports Illustrated issue, the swimsuit issue, because it's hard to. Look at all that perfection. But Martha looks so good. She looks fantastic. I was so excited that she got the cover. And then, I mean, and the spread is tasteful. Like, it's not like your normal, like, you know, in the past, it's kind of been almost scandalous. You know, it doesn't even qualify as clothing, really. It's like a cotton swab and the sunshine. (laughs) So, you know, I think if 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 she embraces that, I I like the direction Sports Illustrated is taking. So my question, if they ever asked you to do Sports Illustrated swimsuit, would you do it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Come I on. figured you might, but I Come was on, like bring it. Martha Stewart, man. And I tell you, my love of Martha Stewart goes back pre-prison days, okay? So, you know, she's lived her life. She's done her stuff. She served her time, right? She's a great story of redemption, which I we all love. That's what this show's about. But the I, I can't even remember how far back this goes, but I remember watching her when Conan was on late, late. And he was trying to help break down some of the facade because she was, you know, Martha Stewart, right? She's making all these fancy doilies and, you know, <laughs> cute little whatevers for the holidays. And I think a lot of people couldn't necessarily relate unless that was your world and you lived in the Martha Stewart world, right? So he had her eat and take a bite of this massive Taco Bell burrito <laughs> on late, late. And I just thought... <laughs> She and she like she didn't bat an eye or like she just chowed on that like that was a regular Martha Stewart, you know, (laughs) delicacy. And I was like, all right, she's cool. She's in, you know, the hip crowd. So some of the backstory for the shoot is hilarious. She had never had a spray tan, signed up and got one just for the shoot, did Mm -hmm. Pilates for two months leading up to it. People say, are you trying to be a sex pot or whatever? She said, no, but I enjoy flirting, which I think is very funny. Sure. And 
they said something very insulting about Madonna, and I don't know why, but I do not want anyone saying anything negative about Madonna's yeah. face. It just gets me wound up. And they asked Martha about it. They said, well, Madonna's 64, and everybody's talking about her face. And Martha said, leave Madonna alone. She's an incredible performer. What are you worried about her face? And she has to transform herself in the music business. Yeah. Just because I've chosen not to have much done with my face, that's kind of her business, which I really loved. And then she said the shoot itself was rough because she had nine different swimsuits. And she said they were manhandling her and calling her breasts names, mm. like the girls. Mm. And she said, I have never referred to myself in that way. And it was very embarrassing. I'm sure. <laughs> I can imagine that. And, and, and you would think in this day and age, 2023, that we would have either all women on that shoot, because I mean, you would think that that would give her some comfortability. So she's not feeling like she's being gawked. It's one thing to think about <laughs> the millions of men thumbing through the magazine. You don't have to be present for that to be on display, but when you're out there and it's new territory, I could, I could see where that would be a little embarrassing, but my thought is, you know, she has a reputation. She hangs out with Snoop Dogg. So, you know, it's just a matter of time where she was on the cover anyway. So good for her. I wonder if she called him up. Hey, Snoop, what do you think? And, and you know, they're buds. He didn't want to see his bud on the cover of Sports Illustrated, does he? Maybe he's, I'm sure he's excited for it, but. He probably made up some words for jizzle, for mizzle, conzizzle, you know, do your thing. Early. Oh, so we're just full of, of, of joy and happiness in this episode of the podcast. It just happened that way. But I, I found the most wonderful article, The Surprising Connections Between Faith and Health. And it's fabulous. Regular fitness, a regular fitness routine. If you are a person of faith, you're more likely to be in church. You're more likely to take care of the body that God gave you, which is yep. the temple where the Holy Spirit resides. And research is showing that if you exercise regularly, 30%, you cut by 30% the types of diseases that cause mortality. Big mm. reason to do whatever it is, even if it's gentle walking. Well, and I love the fact that faith reduces stress. Like there's now actual proof when they talk to people about where are you in your relationship with God? What, you know, regardless of what kind of church you go to or how you practice your faith, the cool part is, is knowing that health, like you can't be physically fit if everything upstairs is just out there. You, you have to be able to relax because I know I'm guilty of being an emotional eater. You know, when there's moments of stress, like, you know, I have my comfort food of grilled cheese and, you know, tomato soup, you know, give me whatever <laughs> is going to help in the moment. But again, long-term, that's not what's wise. So giving it to God and allowing that stress to fall off allows you to stay fit. It's really important for older adults. Frequent church attenders are 68% less likely to die over a 12-year period because there's that connection. And another thing that is pretty fabulous, when you're a person of faith, you realize that miracles happen. Mm. It's not an old book with old stories about stuff that may or may not be true. It mm. happened, but the miracles happen now. And the medical community has seen it, where someone has prayed and a person has been supernaturally healed. Yeah. 
Well, and I, I don't know where I heard it this week, but it's really been the resonating phrase in my brain for at least two weeks now is we are a spiritual being having a human experience. And that has resonated in my head. And, and I've always known that, but it's not been something that I could easily just, I don't know, digest because so much of what's going on, it's like, yes, I know I'm a spiritual being, but really to resonate that phrase, to realize how much we're being able to do things together can only, my wife's calling me and she doesn't realize that we're in the middle of the show. So she's going to have to wait a second. That you're doing your um, thing. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I, I think as we go through each of the experiences in our life, we have to remember we're having a human experience as a spiritual being. Praise God. And if if you don't know the Lord and you would like to, please let us know. Yeah. We yeah, declare with our mouth that he is Lord and your Savior. It's not complicated. I remember being in church and people were talking about being saved and I had no idea what it meant. <laughs> As a person who didn't grow up in church. Sure. Well, and you have, you know, the big, you know, you went to Catholic school. I mean, that was a big part of, that's all you knew about God. And, you know, sometimes, you know, there are horror stories of any kind of Christian school sometimes can get a bad rap for being in the thickness of, you know, reprimand and fear and, you know, rulers on the back of your hand and those kinds of things. <laughs> and, you know, then you try to tell them about a loving, merciful, you know, gentle God. And they're like, well, it's not how I've seen it. You know? It's like, so for you to make that transition, you know, I think, you know, says a lot. And, and even as someone who grew up in a very Southern Baptist home, you know, to now be an Episcopalian in a very peaceful, chilled spot after, you know, going the route of the charismatic, woohoo, you know, run the aisles kind of stuff. You know, we all go through those phases in our faith that ultimately with each step, we're getting closer to God, right? So as you're venturing through and you're trying to make sense of where you are in your life and what God has for you, you need to be like, and what I'm doing now, is it getting me closer to him? Am I fully understanding him? If I'm not understanding him, am I in a place that I, at least I'm trusting him? And that's the key. Absolutely. All right. I want your opinion on this. A toddler's birthday party, a toddler. Guess how much it cost? Seventy-five thousand dollars and before you get all wound up and say yeah but that's very rare this is the ultra rich no it is the new thing to spend anywhere and this is a story out of los angeles to -hmm. spend anywhere between 10 and seventy-five thousand dollars. for example for william's sixth birthday he had a fire truck themed birthday party and every guest got their own fire hose backpack They dove down a large custom ball pit detailed with actual flames and music playing, let's get fired up. (laughs) I'm sorry, but no six-year-old, I don't care how rich you are, does not deserve a party of that value. That's, that is, I'm either too thrifty for my own good to wrap my brain around this price tag, (laughs) or maybe I don't love my children enough because I can't, I can't even imagine like, I'm thinking how thrifty of a sheet cake can I get when my kids, <laughs> hey, you got one, you can just, like, 
Move off. Oh, it doesn't matter if it's the name's wrong. Just get how much is it? Okay, Just good. Just scrape yeah. it off. I'll put yeah. it on there. Go to Costco and change the and B to done. an R. We'll be all right. They won't I don't know. No, I don't think they remember a lot of that. I guess Hannah would remember her roller skating parties. That was about as themed as I got. But mm. I mean, this is 40 feet of balloon garlands. That makes me break out in hives just thinking about how much that would cost. Well, we had our na- our next door neighbor had a party for their kids and had like one of the, you know, the bounce houses or whatever brought to their front yard, which is fine. And, you know, all the kids from the neighborhood, whether you got an invite or not, you everybody went over there to play. And those aren't too terrible. I think you can get them for like a couple of hundred maybe, you know, depending upon how long you need it for. And so in those situations, like when my girls were younger, my gift to them or, or, you know, their mom and I, our gift to them was the party. So how lavish do you need the party to be? And so we tried to stay within a window of finances. So it wasn't crazy, but they knew that, okay, you're going to get gifts from friends and, you know, grandparents, but the party is our gift to you. And so that was kind of how we work. So I guess if it's, that's the case for this family, Man, I, how, how do you live up? How is seven, eight, nine, and 10 <laughs> going to be capped by what you did at six? So my question, oh, but William's fifth birthday was this whole hibachi theme that had dancers and flames also, just to let you know. But I wanted to know what is the origin of all this? And a lot of people say it's the Kardashians because right now Kim has a $4,500 baby stroller. What? Okay. Yeah, but she's a billionaire and she sure. has made her own money. So when people get all wound up about Kim Kardashian, I think, well, I don't know. That she stroller made her better money. push the baby, feed it, burp it, and take it to college. <laughs> that's that's an insane amount for just a stroller. <laughs> Can't even. All right. You know what would be smart for you to do for your money and about your money and with your money is go see a guy who loves the Lord puts God first, Mm. crazy about his family and crazy about everybody who makes a call to his incredible business. I'm talking Mm. about Taren Newell, his beautiful wife, Andrea, and the business that they have built in Birmingham Mortgage Group. And they get close to people and it matters to them and they take it personally. And right now when you're spending, I mean, 75,000, I I think our first house way back when was 80. (laughs) I mean, come on. You don't want to have to mortgage your home for your kid's birthday party. But if you were on your second, you know, mortgage or you're refinancing to get things a little under control, knowing that Turin's got all the systems in place, he knows all the tricks, and he's also a man of faith that's going to help you save and be a good steward of your money and your house payment so it doesn't feel like a burden. And who knows, free it up, free up enough money by saving on your mortgage could maybe have a bigger birthday party, maybe not on the $75,000 side, but the great thing is he (laughs) is looking to help you save. So if you need to refinance or get that dream home ready, call him today, 205-259-1656. That's 205-259-1656 or behammortgage.com. Tell him you heard about it on Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Well, we're both married, but one of the things we always want to do is make those who are single feel very welcome on our show. About 50 million single adults are out there, and many of them are looking for love, and they're going to places like Tinder and Bumble. Well, the experts, a psychologist, goes through what is important, starters and tips for dating, and it's, it's really good stuff. 
you ask open-ended questions that aren't just a yes or a no. Mm. You never start with, hey, what's up? <laughs> Don't start anything with, hey, what's up ever. Hey, baby. Hey, what's up? You look cute. Well, you and I, you, and you and Wayne met in this, so I feel like you're a little more of the expert on that than I am. But my friends who are also in that same, like, oh, I met my sweetheart online. Like some of the tips that I've heard match what's this this article is talking about because shorter messages, letting your true personality come out. Don't just you know hide behind you know some buffy picture of yourself. You know, really never and, shirtless, and, never yes. shirtless, and also and. never in the bathroom and make it current. Don't be one from like 10 years ago. I told you about the guy I went to yeah. meet for coffee yeah. 20 years on the photograph, at least. And now with AI, don't let AI create your profile for Tinder. Oh. That's, that's, that's a nightmare. I that's just... a whole other thing. So as we're navigating this new world of, of dating, there are all these codes and you're more up on Instagram. I'm on there very occasionally I'm kind mm -hmm. of, I've totally gone to TikTok and fallen off the deep end, but I, where have I been? There's so many codes on Instagram and you know, I got after Hannah because if there was anything in code, Oh, mom had to know what it is here. Right. I'm a grown up, and I don't know what 1543 means, what 143 means, what five, five, five means. So if you're on Instagram, 910 is, I'm sorry, I hurt you. 124 is, I miss you. 831, I love you. 3104, I love you, but I can't say it, so I feel it. What? I can't I mean, say it, but I'm going to give it to you in a four-digit code. <laughs> this reminds me of the days when we all had pagers, and you couldn't actually put messages, so like you created a code. So the 143 made sense, the I love you makes sense because I remember in the days of the pager, you know, you could just, if you didn't have time to call, but you wanted your sweetheart to know you were thinking about them, you paged them one, four, three, and they knew that, oh, you know, and then oh. later you would, you know, it was a way of flirting digitally before all of technology that we have today. So I, these are too many codes to memorize. So I, 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 I applaud the brain that can remember them all. I mean, I, I already felt like that texting was already hard enough that you couldn't hear tones. So sometimes it would be misinterpreted based on where the person's, you know, how they're reading it, where they're putting the flux on what words. So now to have to add these, you know, we've got emojis. Do you do an emoji with a one, four, three, or do you do, you know, a, a, a GIF with, you know, some code? I, I, I thank the Lord I'm married and we speak English. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> No kidding. I mean, it's so complicated, the world now. Yeah. Things that we will and won't do for a friend. This, this is fascinating stuff. We'll see if you will agree. The things that we're willing to do, I wouldn't do this. For all the teen child, you couldn't, uh, well, I guess you could pay me enough, but I would still have trouble. Right. 84% of women say they would help a friend remove pesky body hair. 54% of men said they would, oh gosh, they would help no. someone manscape. No, 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 no. How long do you have to know someone before you even ask them? <laughs> like that just, like, I don't even want to help someone move, let alone anything that would have you... <laughs> 
exfoliating my skin. Oh, no. It's like that pimple popper doctor. Uh, I couldn't, you couldn't, I can't watch any of that. And I don't no. even want to know it's there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be gross. Sorry. Uh, 81% said they would donate a kidney. I would do that. If a friend that, needed a kidney. Sure. Be the designated driver. Sure. Jump out of a plane. No. Love you. Bye bye. It's a perfect good plane. Have fun. See you on the ground where my It depends who jumps first. Are you asking me to set the example or am I chasing after you because you already jumped? You know, how about I'll just stay in the plane and pray? Oh, Lord, let the ground be soft. <laughs> you know, it's like there's just sometimes <laughs> friendships. And, and it's amazing, too. Like, I like the the close friends I have in my life. Like we know what we mean to each other. We know yeah. what we would do for each other because we've been there like a lifetime at this point. Now, newer friendships, you really got to earn my time because, <laughs> you know, I'm a busy man, <laughs> you know, and this, but so far, none of the weird things have. And maybe it's because it's a difference between guys and girls, you know, who asks what. Most say they would go to a concert they hate. Most would cat sit. My brain would explode during that. I'm so allergic to cats when they walk by me. I start wheezing, so that wouldn't work. Now, here are the things people won't do for their friends. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. They will not get matching tattoos. I would do that. I know you would. I would totally do that. I would do that before I would help you move. <laughs> <laughs> they would not follow their friend to a new city. Yeah, I mean, that's hard because especially the older we get, you know, kids are in one city and, you know, family, you know, like wherever family and jobs are, that's where you got to go. So following friends, I can't imagine that. And another one, break up with a significant other. Why would you put that kind of stress on your friend? Like why? <laughs> hey, will you tell them that we're done? <laughs> you can't. You can't do that too. I mean, because I don't know that I would be your friend after that. Like, why would, why am I the, you know, have you ever had that though? Like after a friend has broken up with someone and you're trying to play like you, you know, your friend is the chosen side you're on, but you're still trying to be friendly if you run into the ex and they try to get explanation from you. Hey, what do you know what I did? What, what happened? You know, I don't understand. And then you try to play buffer. It never works. It's like, look, it's just let yourself go. And if you cherish your friendships enough, you would definitely do two things. You would not ask them to do that. And then you would take them to get a cup of the Roxanne blend of coffee. Because <laughs> if you did ask them to do weird things, that's the only way to make it up to them. Well, you mentioned gift giving. A lot of people do this. Some people have everything and you don't know what to do and you want something meaningful. Mm -hmm. So if the person's a coffee lover, you go to mybrotherscup.com. The website's amazing. It's beautiful. You look for the Roxanne blend because you have excellent taste. You click on the blend. They send it right to your friend. They have beautiful mugs too that are just gorgeous. Yep. And it sends medical teams in the name of Jesus around the world, missionaries. And it's a pretty great ministry. Many, many, many people get saved by this coffee. And so it would be a great gift and make us thrilled if you would make a purchase. Check it out. You can go to RoxanneandAce.com to get yours. But Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, excited as we get a chance each week to bring you amazing stories of when God is at work, and especially to the ones that we feel like are our closest friends. She's beauty from ashes, an example of God's redemption, restoration, 
and love chasing after that prodigal. And boy, did her mama have to chase after this prodigal. Mm. We're talking homelessness, addiction, suicide, jail, you name it. And there are so many people around the world that are suffering greatly with addiction and what it causes. And But you and I, Ace, praise the Lord, this isn't our We got other areas. This isn't yeah. our area. Sure. So we need to know from firsthand experience what it's like to experience these things. And this beautiful young lady is here to share her remarkable testimony. And we're so thrilled to welcome to the show, Farrah Wright. Hi there. Thank you all so much. Thank you all so much. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's very, it's, it's almost in a sense, um, not even reality, the life that I'm, I'm living now in a way, every time that I share my story, it's, I'm almost in disbelief that life can be good. <laughs> life can be amazing. And yes, we get, we still go through hard times. We all do. But, um, yeah, addiction is, is no respecter of persons and the common, um, denominator that you hear a lot of times is people that grew up in a broken home. You know, when you grow up in a broken home, nine times out of 10, you're going to end up either in addiction or in jail. <laughs> um, and that's, that's, but praise God for the ones who grew up in a broken home who didn't get to experience that. But I was one of those people. My mom was not broken um, in, in the sense that my father was very abusive. So um, my mom wasn't. She was always that that special mom who always made sure that we, my brother and I went to church. But my dad was just, um, and I never want to speak ill of anybody because I have forgiven my father. But it was rough growing up. Um, that's the truth. That's the reality. And um, my mom took in foster kids. She was always that type that wanted to help people. And unfortunately, one of the fo my foster brothers molested me when I was a really young girl. And um, so I started to feel the shame and the guilt at such a young age. Um, father didn't want to be around me. He thought it was all my fault. And so um, and then and that layer added on. And so I started running away at such an early age. And it just, you know, the ripple effect just kept getting worse and worse and worse. When you were running away, how old were you and what was that like? Because I think most of us now instantly think, oh, she's going to a bad neighborhood and someone's going to try to traffic her. I mean, it's the first thing we think of. I was 16 years old when I first ran away from home and was working at a job at Hollywood Video, and my boss was 35 years old and invited me to live with him. Uh, I was 16. Um, so he was fun, you know. I was 16 years old. He was fun. Um, and so it was a very easy yes for me. Um, I, you know, I didn't see any, like, warning signs. Um, yeah. but, but he introduced me to drugs. Um, and so my parents, I remember it, they called um, the cops and said, put out a nationwide missing person um, report. And she had to go to um, identify like my dentist, my, like my teeth or something. They had to, she had to bring in dental work for the cops to like match 
per- I don't know all the details about yeah. that, but it was just, you know, hearing from her side, what she experienced was just very traumatic as, as well. Um, so anyway, they did find me. I had to go back home uh, until I turned 18. <laughs> and as soon as I turned 18, I was gone again, back to the same person. And it was just uh, drugs, 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 drugs. Every day, all day, every day. Um, he was a meth head and I, I literally did everything under the table. The only drug that I was so scared of was um, shooting up with the needle. There was something about that. I was like, nope. And I'm kind of thankful because I felt like if I would have gone that direction, it would have been a thousand times worse. Um, yeah. So I'm thankful I didn't do that. But um Either which way, I mean, it's still, you know, you know, whether it's shooting up your nose or shooting up in your arm, it's still bad for you. And I just wanted to be numb. Um, you hear that from every addict. You just want to be numb. You don't mm-hmm. want to experience your feelings at all of anger, guilt, shame, any of that. You just want to be numb. So I, I did that as long as I could. And how long was that? How long was your addictive behavior? Um, I can, I would say over a span of time. So from six, 17, 18 years old until I went to the foundry, which was in 2014. So 2000, I think I was about 2005 to 2014. Wow. So, um, and it was off again, on again. You know, I would move back in with my mom and she was always the one to, to, to take me in until she had enough. Um, yeah. she, and she admits she enabled me um, for years because she felt in a way guilty for leaving my dad, um, even though he was not such a great guy. <laughs> she felt responsible with my emotions in a way um, and wanted to take care of me because she knew I was struggling. Um, but. I got to a place where I started hurting her and um, hurting myself even more. And just, you know, I think as a mom now, (laughs) I can't imagine my daughter doing that to me. But, um, you know, God forbid if that did ever happen, I feel like I would at least have a level of understanding because I've experienced it. And my prayer is that I'm just as strong as my mom was <laughs> in laying that those boundaries to say, no, you're not going to come back home. And that's so hard to say as a parent is, no, you're not going to come back home. You are making these decisions. You are making these choices on your own. I love you, but I love you enough to let you go. And she didn't know where I was for almost two and a half years until I reached out to her and said, okay, I'm ready this time. Even though I've said that a thousand times, I'm ready. (laughs) But it was that point, you know, where I was just, I was so tired of being tired of being tired of being tired of being tired that I ended up buying a gun. And you guys have heard this story before. And I was just ready to die. I had no my parents, you know, none of my family knew where I was. I was in a horrible relationship who was abusive as well. We were in this, you know, abandoned house and termites flying everywhere, you know, weighing 80 pounds. Been, you know, just what joy comes out of that? 
There's a photograph that you share on social media. Whenever I see it, I just weep. It's you are so beaten up Mm -hmm. in this photograph that I, my protective mama feelings (laughs) start that I really (laughs) there's a place. I mean, your eyes over here, you're black and blue. You do look like you weigh 80 pounds. So when you're sitting in an abandoned house with an abusive person and and you want to die, at what point do you call out to the Lord and say, help me? You know, it's, uh, I'll never forget reaching on the internet (laughs) and I was on YouTube. I wasn't thinking about God in that moment. Mm. I can be real. I really wasn't. I was so selfish and I just wanted to die. Um, but in the events of all of what happened that night, and thank the Lord, my neighbor took Dan away, my ex-husband, and I was by myself. Three o'clock in the morning and I'm just on YouTube. And, I'm, I, and I don't even know how I got there, why I got there. But it was just the title of it captured my attention. And it said, God is round about you, even in your darkness. Mm-hmm. And ironically, it was my pastor that I grew up with at Cathedral of the Cross here in Birmingham. It was his video. And, I, and, mm-hmm. and there was a part of me that didn't want to watch it because I'm like, I was so far away from the Lord that I'm like, I don't want to hear anything positive. Like, I'm just so depressed. Anybody who's depressed doesn't want to hear anything positive. Can I be real? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So en- engulfed in that. But either which way, I still watched it. I watched it. And it saved my life. It <sighs> saved my life. It was actually, he talked about, um, like, it, it, if the Lord came back today, you know, uh, where would you go? And And so when he was preaching that it, this, this, this overwhelming conviction, um, came over me. Like, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> yeah. If I killed myself, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want this to be my life, you know, that people remember me by. So praise God for YouTube. <laughs> sure. Praise the Lord that pastors get on YouTube and share the word. And sometimes they probably think it's monotonous. It's not monotonous. You're just like what you guys are doing right now. You are the light that people need. And it saved my life. So what was that advice that you wish you had gotten earlier, but you eventually either got it, whether it was a revelation from the Lord or something from a YouTube video? What was the thing you wish someone had said to you when you were at that lowest? That's hard, Ace. That's hard because every, if you can imagine the best family in the world sharing the love of Christ to you, being that beacon of hope your entire life, aside from my father, because my mom's side of the family, they're great Christians, wonderful people. And even in the midst of all of my craziness, they kept giving me words of wisdom that in my right mind now speaks to me. But in my wrong mind, then you are so selfish that the sad reality is you have to make those mistakes yourself and you've got to come to the realization yourself. And that's hard, especially somebody like myself, who's very strong willed. (laughs) Sure. 
it's very hard to give someone or give even myself what, what, what that word of wisdom would be. Because I remember saying, I look forward to going to hell back then. I used to say that to my mom. I can't wait to go to hell. What? You know, so even, so then, so then Farrah, what do you say now living the experience you did when you were in a place where your blinders wouldn't let you hear that wisdom? What do you say to someone who is in that addictive state now to break through? I would honestly share my story with them and, and the aha moment that I had with the God is around about you, even in your darkness. And if today was your last day on earth, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? And that is the most important thing, not what you've been through, not your past. Those things are your testimony that can be used. But the most important thing is where are you going to spend eternity? <sighs> we're all going to be breaking in heaven. We're, there's going to be rapists and killers and all, we're going to be all worshiping the ones who gave their heart to Christ. I just, that is my biggest hope is that if there's somebody in addiction who doesn't know Christ, man, that get to know the Lord because he is so loving and so merciful and so patient. <laughs> He's so patient with us when we are just crazy. And so I think that's probably the biggest wisdom I would give to somebody in active addiction is, is really check your heart and make sure you know where you're going to go first above all anything. (laughs) And then hopefully just guide them through, you know, my journey. You know, that's what our testimonies are for, right? Amen. Absolutely. You've got to love yourself. And you don't have to take a bath to, and get clean to come to Jesus. I've had so many people tell me, I'm not ready yet. I just want one more hit or, or I just want to smoke. And when I'm done with this pack, and a guy kept saying, when I'm done with this pack, I'll talk to God. No, he's there. Yeah. And he's and we try to, as you were saying, you try to numb. Guess what? It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Just made you sick and made you suicidal. The only thing that completely fills us is a relationship with him. So how did you get your breakthrough? You mentioned you went to drug rehabilitation here in central Alabama at the foundry. Saved your life? (laughs) 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 Hallelujah. I love the foundry. Shout out to the foundry if you guys watch this one day. But I love the foundry. You've got to be ready for change. It doesn't matter what program you go to. Thankfully, I went to the best one, in my opinion. But but it doesn't matter what program. I mean, even people that go to the foundry don't make it sometimes because they're not ready for the change. You've got to be ready for that change. And so when you're ready... Man, God just opens his arms. He's like, girl, I've been waiting for you this whole time. (laughs) And it's just amazing to to want that change um, for the first time (laughs) ever. Um, So, yeah, the breakthrough was was getting on the floor at four o'clock in the morning at the foundry and putting on a song called Oceans by Hillsong. Yeah. Listen, this I'm being real. I'm I'm a realist, okay? I never liked Christian music growing up. Just wasn't my thing. 
it was very boring. I liked rap. I liked country. I liked anything but Christian music. It was just, you know, but that song opened up my whole world <laughs> because again, I think it's because I was ready for change where my feet fell you and all it just beautiful. And I just remember crying out to the Lord, like, Lord, I want to change, but I don't know how to change. I need you to change me. I need you to change me because I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I want my family back. I want my I want a life. I don't even know what a life is like. And it was that moment that he called me his remnant. And I've got a, a remnant tattoo. Oh, yes. Nice. <laughs> and so, too, at this present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. That verse he gave me in that moment. And I knew. Crazy as it sounds from a drug addict, I knew from that point on, he called me out yeah. <laughs> for such a time as this. And the, the, the crazy part is he calls all of us. We, myself, people who are addicts are so full of shame and so full of guilt that it's so hard to really wrap our head around the fact that God can call us out for a purpose, for a plan. And so, yeah, that was my, <laughs> that was my breakthrough moment that, that, that I will forever cherish, um, still to this day. And yeah, judge me or not judge me for getting a tattoo. But not on this show. Well, Farrell, we love your boldness and your willingness to share. And obviously you're welcome to share it here anytime. Uh, but I know this is going to help a lot of people that are either facing or not even knowing how to help their families that are trying to break from that addiction. And uh, you're walking living proof that when God gets a hold of you, change is coming, whether you're ready for it or not. She founded a ministry with her mom. She's got a beautiful baby, a wonderful husband who adores her. She Mm -hmm. lives in health and wholeness. And so our God redeems and everything stolen by the enemy has been restored and then some. That's the mighty God we serve. I mean, look at this glowing, beautiful lady. Yep. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. <laughs> Farrah, thanks again for being on the show, and uh, we look forward to seeing where God takes you from here. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, guys. Before we let you go, I know that uh, when it comes to our relationship with God, how happy does he truly want us? And he does, if we look at his words and his actions, like giving of his son and giving us umpteenth chances. You know, while we may not be in a pursuit of happiness, we need to be in a pursuit of holiness, but he invites us into that. Paul said he was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, 2 Corinthians 6.10. I think it's super important. And the most beautiful thing, one of the most beautiful things I've ever read comes from Baptist pastor Octavius Winslow. He died in 1878. Mm -hmm. He said, the child of God is from necessity, a joyful man. His sins are forgiven. His soul is justified. Yes. His person is adopted. His trials are blessings. 
His conflicts are victories. His death is immorality. His future is a heaven of, I'm sorry, I'm starting to preach. I want a podium to pound on. The future is heaven that is unconceivable, the unthought of, untold, and endless blessedness with such a God, such a Savior, such a hope. Why would we not be happy? Right. Well, and I think, too, you know, look around at the things that you have. And even though there are things that, you know, God takes out of our lives, whether it's something we manifested that was never meant to be or something that is holding us back from being able to embrace the larger thing that he wants to give us. To me, that's where like I'm I was actually having this conversation with my mom during Mother's Day weekend about, you know, I I have no room to, to be unhappy. I have friends and family and, you know, my girls are growing and thriving and the kids are growing and thriving and doing great in school and Tawny's work and creativity. Like uh, why? But we always want more like, and, and how quickly when God gives us things, do we go, okay, God, now, now, now what's next? What's next? How about just relish in the, wow, look what he just did. No matter how big or small that thing is. And you might find yourself in a place where you feel happy or you realize that happiness is not, it's more than just that feeling. It's the happenstance of the emotion of it all so that you can go, all right, I am choosing joy because I really don't need anything else. And it's only going to end up in the attic or the garage. And then I got to find a way to get it to goodwill. You know, it's just, you know, those are the things that, you know, we just eventually we let go of because we see the true value in the things that God has given us. We always hear people on their deathbed. They don't wish for another day at work. Mm-mm. They wish for full relationships, that there are people that are with them when it comes time to be ushered into heaven, that they made a difference on this earth, that they were serving others. And always when I run into somebody who's super sad, I, I get it, you know, serotonin, and it can be off in our brain. Sometimes we need medicine. Sometimes we need therapy, you know, so when, when you're sad, Uh, Don't be guilted into believing you're bad because you're sad. There are many reasons why some people are sad. But here's the thing. Give God a try. Be in his presence. Tell him you're sad. Tell him you want to feel joy. And soak in his presence. I think in this time of of alarms going off. I had that happen a couple of times today. You know, the cell phone, the constant social media interruptions. When are we silent and when are we peaceful in his presence so that we feel his presence? And as a new believer, I I would think, what in the world? Uh, God's not going to talk to me. Who am I? He's got other things to do. But you know what? He truly does care. And just get quiet and maybe have a notebook nearby. Ask God to speak to you. Write down your first impressions and get used to it being a conversation. I used to think, well, I'm going to yap what I want at God. Yap, 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 yap. And he's probably tired of hearing about what everybody wants all day. And how am I going to hear him? But there are so many ways that we can hear him, that we can know that he's real. For one thing, just looking at nature. Yeah. Amen. 
Amen. And of course, we feel happiness when we get a chance to spend time with you every week. But uh, that's going to wrap up this week's show. Thanks for being a part of things. Make sure you share, like, follow, and tell all your friends so they don't miss future episodes. <laughs> Thanks to our friends at My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group for being a part of the show. And we will see you next Friday. Roxanne, I love you. Ace one four three and eight three one. Ten four, good buddy. <laughs> You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneandAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.